Anyways, my name is Chris Nguyen. Wait, is this all recorded? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'm introducing myself to you just for fun again, like I do every week. Yes. Okay. I'm Kevin McCauley. And this is New, New for, for 96. 96. Kevin, it occurs to me that we've actually never explained the name of the podcast, mm-hmm. which might be appropriate in the third episode. I think we should do. keep the mystery alive. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But yeah. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start with it. Uh, so the title comes from uh, old car magazines, specifically from the mid-90s and probably from other eras as well, but we'll just go ahead and You're call talking it. talking your bread and butter, yeah. motor trend... Car and driver. Automobile. The turn of the year issues, or rather the beginning of the year issues, where they introduced new models. Yeah, and back then they introduced like six new models in a year. So you'd have like the 96 Ford Explorer on the cover, and people would be excited and buy the magazine. Yeah, I mean like, uh, and they were excited to present these things because all of them had like exclamation points. Yeah, I specifically remember a cover. I think, I mean, the one that's in my head for New for 96 is like the cover was like three red cars mm-hmm. against a black background in mm-hmm. a studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were like pulling the sheet off of a sh- glistening red Ford Explorer pre Firestone yeah. gate. Yep. Um, so, yeah, but also I have to explain it sort of comes from there was a Simpsons gag where they. Where they show, uh, they had like a Marge picked up a magazine. It was like Sponge and Vacuum Monthly, yeah. and it was that's the new for '96 sponges, <laughs> and it was just like perfect because it just captured that feel of these car magazines. Yes, I remember that gag well then, and I remember it now. Well, and I, I send it to you and Blake. Like, I know. Well, week. we send it to each other. All three of us like send it to each other. Like, and it doesn't even make sense. We're mm-hmm. like talking about serious things, and suddenly. You'll send me a new for 96 sponges. And and other people don't understand what it means because mm-hmm. people that don't know what magazines are yep. or cars yeah. are. I have tried to explain this to non-car people. Actually, I haven't tried to explain it. I've just said the title to non-car people and they have no idea what I'm talking about, which is fine. There's also a lot of like non-Simpsons people now. <laughs> I know, I know. And I, it, you have to use it so judiciously and in the right context because you don't want to be a Simpsons guy. I mean, I know, but it was like five years ago. Like, everyone our age and slightly younger had just like an encyclopedic knowledge of yeah. every Simpsons thing. Well, it, it has, like, the bad episodes have overwhelmed all the good episodes multiple times. Literally yeah. multiple times now. Right. I mean, if, so, the, if the golden era was when you were born. Yeah. Uh then you're just not going to right. get it. Mm-hmm. But so sorry for the Simpsons retweets that I often plague my timeline with. So um, sorry, not my timeline. What is is that my timeline? Mm, my just, Twitter. That's, mm, uh, we should feed. Avoid this. Yeah. Anyways, I didn't know we were recording because I didn't hear the trademark. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's so know. that's another thing that we should probably explain is that uh, we were starting the episode, uh, each episode, with the sound of a bottle uncorking, uh, and we... What are we uncorking here? We're uncorking a Glenlivet 12. You fancy person. Uh, thank you. Uh, the 12 is actually the bottom of the barrel of the Glenlivet <laughs> uh, family, but... Literally. Uh, yes. Uh, but it's delicious. It's a good thing to have on a Friday night, which is when we're recording. And um, 
Not that we encourage mixing alcohol and cars by any means, but we're sitting inside a house. It's not moving anywhere. No. I'm certainly not driving it. Mm-hmm. Who is? <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, anyways, so that is the explainer we pro- probably should have started out with two episodes ago. Um, but now it sounds good in clarity yeah. because of our new setup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should mention that we were we had so much fun recording the first two yeah. that we now have I, like I spent half of a day shopping for audio equipment and so there's like an oopsie and I'm hitting like the machinery right now as you can hear it like I have an arm and a like it's a microphone arm and this mm-hmm. pop filter which I think we're using incorrectly because I can hear us breathing through it yeah um, but and, what you're not hearing is me spitting yeah Mostly. it's catching it. Yeah. And um, there's a mixing board that took us about two hours to figure out how to use because neither of us have ever used a mixing board before. Uh, and for all I know, this might be just recording silence. We but are in way over our heads. Yes, yes. There are a lot of cables going on here. <laughs> so, And we're wearing... Uh, cans. Cans. Yeah. Yeah. Nice cans. Yeah. Very nice cans. I've yeah. got Grados on. That's, that's headphones for people not in the business. Yeah, yeah. Kevin might be dropping some professional lingo. Has some Boder and Wilson headphones yeah, on. I guess. Bang and Ol- Bowers, Bowers and Wilkins. Wins. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, on to cars. Uh, what has happened to you this week in the world of cars? Oh, thankfully nothing. Yeah. Well, uh, you obsessed with about. Some wheels today. Oh yeah, appeared so, on Bring a Trailer. There was some wheels on Bring a Trailer that I was watching, not to buy, but just for market research. So I have God, this is dull. Mm-hmm. This is dull, but this is this is minute forty six that we've talked about. I actually saw the counter go from one to zero as far as <laughs> listeners go. Uh, so I have some Fuchs. I'm gonna say Fuchs because that's how I pronounce yeah, you it. You could say Fuchs. Uh, for this podcast, we have yeah. a sheet of yeah. things. We're gonna say Porsche mm. instead of Porsche. Yeah, I just say porch. I can't I be say bothered. Porsche too. I can't be bothered. I so. leave out the O sometimes. <laughs> Peach. Yep. Um, so, so the Fuchs wheels on the old Porsches. Mine has six and seven inch. That means six inch front, seven inch rear. And I am in the process of upgrading to seven inch front, eight inch rear. And it is massively expensive to do this. Yep. Um, not really, if anyone's listening that yep. concerns about my finances. Uh, it's it's more expensive than it should be. But anyway, I'm going to sell these my old ones at some point. And I thought it would be fun to sell them on Bring a Trailer. Because uh, we always are watching it and talking about it. And I would love to be involved, but I'm not going to sell a car on there anytime soon. Uh, and Chris won't, even though I'm urging him to sell his Cayman on a trailer. Yes. But, um, Terrible place to try to do that. So I've been watching, and it was a set. So I've seen a lot of, not a lot, I've seen a number of Fuchs on there go for uh, pretty good money, but they're usually the more desirable 7s and 8s, and they're usually, like, you know, perfect, like, new-in-box looking finish. So they go for high amount of money, and it makes sense, I guess, mm-hmm. out of my range. Uh, I bought some that were, you know, a little bit worn, and I'm just going to have them refinished. And that's like my, that's my big like 2018 project for the car. Cause I kind of, I kind of have everything else yeah. that I wanted to do on the car done. Like it's, yeah. it, you know, as far as 
as far as cosmetic and like upgrade wise, like it's it's where I want it to be. I just want these wheels. And I will usually get into the nitty gritty, uh, very boring nitty gritty of uh, details when it comes to cars that I'm looking for because I'm also looking for an air cooled and. I had no idea that people were doing this, like that you would put sevens and eights uh, versus sixes and sevens. And only after you mentioned this, and I finally Google imaged and compared the differences, will I say, okay, I fully support this. It actually looks, it dramatically changes the yeah, stance of the car. Yeah, it does, because it's, it's not just, it's not, <laughs> this is the most absurd part. It's not even about of having wider tires because I don't want wider tires. I want my same 205 front, 225 rear because it's very hard to find 245 16s for the rear. Yeah. If I were to if I were to go up a size, which is, the wheel rooms can handle that, but they can also handle the other size. Um, and there's just more selection for the 205 and the 225. And yeah. I have a new set of Michelins that I'm happy with, so um, I don't plan to change the tires. Have you ever considered going with um, sixes and nines. Uh, you mean sevens and nines? No, sixes and nines just to have a 69 setup. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you about the nines. Yeah. They're not, uh, I don't want the nines. I'll tell you about all the things I don't want. Yeah. But I don't, I don't particularly want nines, and I did see a couple sets for sale where, like, on eBay, it'd be, like, a, basically the same price as eights mm -hmm. for a set of nines. And uh, what makes the seven and eight setup so good is it's like just a really deep dish. Yeah. Like the front has like a nice dish. The wheel is pushed out to like it fills the flare. Yeah. And the rear is even a more extreme dish on that eight inch. Yeah. If you have the nine, it's exactly the same dish from the outside of the car. It's just the nine goes further in on the inside of the wheel well. Yeah. So you would have to get bigger tires, but you're not really seeing a visual benefit. From, yeah. from the outside of the car, it looks exactly the same. If you're behind the car and you had 245s or 265s or something, yeah. you could see, from behind the car, you could see the difference. But um, from the side, from you know, you're not getting a benefit. And the nines are heavier because it's deeper. Plus, they're probably tremendously more expensive and harder to find. Well, no, actually, I mean, I did really? find some that were the same price on wow. eBay for a pair of, of nines versus a pair that of eights. That's surprising. Yeah. Uh, although I guess it fits fewer cars. Yeah. So, and then, so, like, I go back and forth between uh, what, which air-cooled fascinates me the most, I guess. I mean, they all kind of do. Uh, but uh, on one end, I would love to have like an SC or a Carrera 3.2 just because it's, it is sportier with the flares versus like a mid-year, which I wouldn't want because of the engine anyways. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, that would be, you're talking about kind of like a very nice, aggressive uh, setup uh, yeah. as far as aesthetics go. Yeah. And... Uh, I love that too, and I would not mind that. Although I'm also really interested in kind of the opposite, the very like base model approach. Yeah. Where you have 15 inch cookie cutters uh, on just like a very basic spec car, uh, cloth seats even. Um, I would actually love that as well. And, uh, you know, we've looked at a few cars where the color was just right uh, and the interior was just right to where like it would be great to like base date it. I yeah. don't even know what you would call yeah. that, but uh, reverting it to a base form. Um, so, uh, I think I still had some more thoughts on Fuchs. Yeah, okay. 
Um, I have purposely interrupted you. It's okay. Because that's a... I, that a was that a you, mouthful? No. I give a few... Go. Oh, please. Go on. Um, so, oh, yeah. So the seven and eight inch setup, I like how it looks in the front better. Uh, I have six and sevens, like I said, and I have like a spacer. It's like 23 millimeters, mm. 21 millimeters, I think, in the rear, mm. um, which helps the rear. You don't have the dish, but it does like push it out to fill yeah. out the flare. I yeah. think a normal one without it, with the six and sevens, just doesn't yeah. look good to me. Um, and it's like I'm becoming more intolerant when I see pictures <laughs> of, of ones with six and sevens. They're like mostly like that They now. mostly are. And yeah. it's to the point where I was wondering, I was going to ask you, like, I don't know if they, um, was it optional? Was it like sports seats where it was like a thing that just very few people got? You know, it's, it's so hard because just like, I don't think there's a lot of documentation on this unless right. you lived in the time to yeah. purchase this new. Uh, like there's just there's so, there's so much speculation spoken mm-hmm. as fact on forums, and it's kind of frustrating if you are trying to figure out something official about yeah. uh, anything um, with this era of car. And I also think that uh, even from the factory, they didn't do officially factory things. They would just do things for customers, unlike now, where Porsche will do nothing out of spec. Um, So, uh, well, that's almost true, or not true. Um, But, anyways, yeah. What's something out of spec? Uh, Doing the... You can do paint to sample. You can do any color you want. uh, Paint to sample is... Um, I mean, no, there's a limit. Like it just, it's, I don't want to say it's a scam. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I completely, I, I think there's some merit in it and people have done some cool things like our friend, uh, Derek know, Powell. I think, they, I think they have done really cool things, but I think it's just such a profit center Oh yeah. Now I mean, like everything. I am making the scrunchiest face right now. Everything that Porsche does yeah. now is like a profit center. But to like, the point where like when the 991 GT3 came out, the, the color selection was so limited where it was like... They basically left people with no options but paint a sample. It seems like yeah, that's how I interpret. It. I mean, it was like it was like white, red, black, or another color for ten thousand dollars. Yeah, but also like the factory colors then may have been slightly more interesting as well. Like, and they had like you know we were looking at that pastel yellow, which was offered for I think like one year on the SC or something mm-hmm. like that. So it makes it kind of. Um, a rare color, and that one that we were looking at was actually a paint-to-sample one. Uh, and I'm probably completely incorrect on all of these facts, but uh, this is one line that I've read on a forum of sorts. Uh, uh, and a lot of people, I don't know, I think Pastel Yellow was actually available, I think I'm thinking of the 993, not the SC, mm-hmm. that was available for like one or two years. Um, that was like the standard yellow. Uh, anyways, but there, I think there were more interesting colors back then. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And, like, now... Now, yeah, I... We've seen some bad examples. We've seen some good examples. Um, so, I mean, like, that's just one example, I suppose. What is... Like, I mean, they could, they could offer Mexico Blue as just, like, a color yeah. On the 991, like say, oh, you can get on the S, the GTS, you could get it on the GT3, but it's like they would miss out on all of these paint to sample. That customers. is true. Yeah, but also I mean, paint to so sample. I think people a, end up doing the same like four colors. Yeah, but it's a it's a limited allotment 
also. Um, from what I'm I understand. rolling I've my eyes so hard. Not looked up this at all, so I couldn't actually tell you for sure. But I, this is what. Oh, but about the special order things, like yeah, I just I wonder if it's like a complexity thing because it seems like if someone. If someone was like, I, I want to spend twice as much money. If someone wanted like a GT3 motor in their Targa, yeah, it seems like I don't. You know, I wonder well, if the limit. No, I mean, I wonder if the limitation is just like, oh, they're like, we don't have a wire. You know, it would cost us a half million dollars to make to to figure out the wiring harness. You know what I mean? Maybe those cars are too complex now for you to mix and match things like that. Uh, we talked about this like a long time ago, but I remember reading about. Uh, a 997, like an early 997, or maybe it was a 987, where um, something had gone wrong with the wiring harness, and they, it was a it was a 987, it was a Cayman that had just come out in 2006, uh, and this was on a forum. Something had gone wrong with the wiring harness, um, and uh, it, they couldn't just replace it, so they had to order the wiring harness from the factory, and it took them... Uh, over a month to like loom a new harness basically uh, because it's so specific to the car and its options um, that it's just very difficult. Anyways. What would you do if that wasn't under warranty? Uh, who knows? I mean like I think it took them quite a while to retrofit uh, the replacement loom once it was finally in. I would be like furious if I had just gotten this newly released car that I was very excited about uh, and then it was in the shop for like two months immediately yeah. because of something like uh, a wiring loom being so complicated um, to just get the part. Uh, anyways, um, so I don't know if that, back to the, your original point, like if it's that like the cars are so complicated now that it would be hard to do uh, retrofits or just like Frankens, basically factory Frankens. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, you know, Porsche is so specific um, about, like, what they will and won't allow their customers to do. It's amazing that they have the Porsche exclusive program. Uh, right. Because... But, I mean, what I'm talking about is, like, that, but... Yeah. I mean, they but used to mechanical do... Things, they used to yeah. do this kind of like stuff Like, the turbo the cabriolet. Like, yeah. Uh, that, that didn't exist, and they made special just, like, a handful of them, and that'd be so cool mm-hmm. uh, if they still did things like there that. There was, like, a one-off, like, turbo RS made in the 70s for See, a count in Switzerland. And that is amazing. And, and there was, and there was like, a 935 road car yeah. made for um, um, the and guy from McLaren. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they discreetly still do this for people if you have enough money. I feel like this would show up, like, maybe you know, crash into a tree at Malibu Cars and Coffee. (laughs) Probably. Um, Of course, there are also a lot of companies, like third parties, that are doing this now, too. Maybe that's taking up the reins uh, for them. But, I mean, no one... I mean, I could think of five combinations that that no one has ever seen, like a turbo with a GT3 motor or something like that. Like, that, the, the Speedster that they showed, which is like a GT3... Cabrio type of thing yeah. is kind of like that, and that's yeah. you know very limited and everything. But I, I feel like if this stuff was out there, no one is discreet with supercars. You used to be disc- you used to buy, you know, your Ferrari F fifty, yeah. and it was red because anything else would be blasphemy. I'll say this: I think Ferrari owners are very different from Porsche. Porsche no, but I know, but you are no. I, I think 
I think you I think are... you own a Ferrari. You would never discreetly own a Ferrari. Okay, you but, can discreetly own a Porsche. Okay, but how many people are not discreetly ordering new GT3s in oh, no. very... That's certainly true. ...flaunty colors and I, everything? Because I will say this. I mean, Porsche does have, I think... I didn't mean to bring Ferrari into this. It was just an example. No. But it's like you, there used to be discreet... Not discreet, but you'd buy a supercar and you respected the mark where it's like, I'm going to get it in the color that they think is the best. And now it's like, I need to get this in the flashiest color yeah. so that it's really popular on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I see what you're saying with that. I feel like if Porsche were to do something kind of like discreetly for a good customer of sort, uh, that that customer would more likely be on the discreet end of owner ownership. That's, Although, that's possibly again, true. it's a car. You'd see it out on the street, and right. like someone would ha- would photograph it, even if it wasn't. Right. And the if they're owner. doing that for someone, they would do it for someone else that offers them four hundred k, and that person might not be as discreet yeah. as Jerry Seinfeld or Patrick Dempsey or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, back to the Porsche exclusive thing. That's one thing that I think is really funny as an optional thing. I mean, like, that, I think the whole Porsche exclusive program is nothing but a moneymaker. Like, it's where you get your colored stitching, your colored belts, your like, really bad interior. Yeah, like, any, yeah, any really terrible, like, interior combination you've ever seen. Like, wood. You can still get wood in a Porsche, like a 911. Like how you know it's good. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't personally. (laughs) Um, and I was, what I was looking for earlier, uh, when we took that, when I took that slight pause was the catalog for the Cayman, uh, cause I had that saved. And oh, the tech equipment? No, it's the exclusive Cayman. Ooh. The ultimate personalization, the catalog is labeled and it basically like on the cover, you can't see because it's turned around, but it is like a triple black Cayman. Ooh. <laughs> black wheels, black paint, black interior. Black uh, soft top. Yep. Uh, and it's just basically everything that we make fun of whenever we see, like, a highly modified anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It, just waiting for those blacked-out taillight and headlight covers. Yep, yep. Uh, and each of these, like, options are just tremendously expensive, too, I'm sure, and you have to wait forever, uh, to have these done. Um, so that, I don't... I will say, from a personal style standpoint, I don't understand from a, like, you got money burning in your pocket and you want to be different, I guess, like, this is the program for you and Porsche is willing to give it to you. So, um, they're, they're willing to give it up for a certain amount, I guess. So, we'll leave it at that. Sure. Okay. So, um, we were going to go look at a... BMW tomorrow yep. that you were interested in acquiring. Yes. Um, and we are not because it we are sold. Not. It did sell. Uh, because so. you are a basic bitch and like the oh same BMW that everyone my likes. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's a siren for every nerdy BMW enthusiast. It is not actually. Well, it is. Yeah. But. Uh, I once, it probably went to EAG. It probably did, and it's going to sell for twice as much. So Four times. The car that we're, that I, we're talking about right now, um, I have been looking for a new daily driver to replace uh, the Mark 6 GTI that I've owned for 
six months, seven months now, uh, and I thought it was the daily driver that I wanted, and it isn't. And I wanted to return to one that I had a few years ago, which is uh, an E90, except that... Oh, God, um, you started using code names. Uh, Our listeners just went from zero to How would they one. know otherwise? Um, so, uh, but more specifically, it's an E91. Oh, no. Yeah, there it's they a go. three series touring. Uh, so the wagon. So you could have just left it at that. No. Do you see how, well, with your side comments, it has taken half an hour now to get to this. Is it? Uh, is this one, was it the LCI? It was the LCI. <laughs> Kevin loves making fun of LCI, and I do too because it's a really silly you do marketing not term. Love making fun of it, you it's use how it you properly reference the facelift. You can't say facelift is too many what syllables. Is, Just yeah. kidding. LCI is three syllables, and facelift is two. But what still. does LCI stand for? Look, Calvin, it's. This is not working. It's not working. It's I'm trying to make a joke out of it. Cycle impulse. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And this is only we should have said that. I was trying to say that in unison with you to make it sound real weird, but um, yes, the car was a E91 uh, life cycle impulse model, uh, and more specifically, it was a rear-wheel drive manual. Uh, it was available locally, which is. Really, Kevin is refilling. Um, there's no discreet way of doing that. Um, Kevin, um, we could leave the cork off, but then we would waste. It would evaporate. Two molecules in our would midst. leave the bottle. Uh, so, this is a car that I had looked for years ago, um, and it was difficult then to find one. Uh, and now it is also difficult to find one, uh, especially now that E90s or that generation is basically starting to age and miles are getting up there uh you had you had been looking at one i mean you were we say it like you were like serious you were pretty serious about one in january i think and it was yes. in arizona new mexico oh it was new mexico you're right like alamogordo yeah that's not a city it is it's near el paso it sounds made up that's where uh, White Sands is, basically. We'll call it Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that was an X-Drive, and I didn't really want an X-Drive, but this was a... It was uh, an M-Sport. Was that higher mileage? No. It was about the same mileage, I think. Uh, so this one... This one... Here's the, here the, here's the lay of the land on this one. Um, it was a 2011. Oh, that's the um, LCI. Yes, that's the LCI. That's a good point, Kevin. Uh... And it was uh, it was base model, which is fine with me. Uh, didn't have everything I was looking for, and uh, but it was rear wheel drive and uh, six speed, which uh, or manual, which is exactly what I was have been looking for for years on the sideline. And I should also preface that I am constantly looking for like ten different cars. So this just and happened was, to be as soon as one of them like rotates in front of me, the option. Do you remember what the the green was called? Uh, Tasman green. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I thought it was cool. It almost. It's unique. It, it was almost like the Alpina green, a yeah. little more muted, a little more gray. Yeah. But it was kind. Of, it was kind of like the. I. Ad, Adventurine yeah. nine nine three or nine six four green. I love that green. I was a little bit apprehensive on this car in particular because I think it looks great on older cars, um, older sporty cars, and the E ninety one is not really sporty, even though it's a sport wagon. Uh, and it was kind of new, or rather it's a newer car, and so 
I couldn't tell if it looked weird. As may, in, so may, you're saying the green would work better if it was pre-LCI. Yes, that is precisely be what I'm saying. If it was a little less impulsive. You, I don't know if you can see the contempt in my face, listeners, but that is... You should have been more impulsive, and then this wouldn't have gotten it's away. It's sold within a day. By the way, that's the other thing, is that like every single uh, manual wagon that I've ever looked at uh, that had reasonable miles on it, this one had 70,000 miles on it, um, sells, unless it's from EAG and it's like $45,000, um, it sells like immediately. Uh, this one sold within a day. The last one sold within like three or four days. Uh, so it really is just kind of, I, I should have just gone up there cause I'm so familiar with these cars anyways. Um, that I, I think I could have just skipped out on a, uh, a PPI and just like done it and been okay. Um, anyways, yeah, so missed out on that one. Uh, I'll just have to wait another few months for yet another one to show up. Or but this one was here in town. I know that's the that's the other thing is that they're rare, they're rarely if ever. You sent me the listing. You should have gone on listing. Although by the time it's you so saw far. it, it was so far up north. Yeah, it was twenty five minutes away. It's like you an pro- hour. You uh, probably by the time you sent me the listing, it was probably like they were already. Dealing. Do you th- I wonder. Oh, I'm certain. If, I wonder if it was sold to someone local or if someone just bought it from like. I bet Oklahoma. you there are other idiots like me who like do nationwide searches like every single day just for that car, and it was it was listed at uh, fourteen five or something like that, which is um, high for an E ninety, but for an E ninety one, that's like market. No, that's not even market. That's cheap. Which was, it was a 328? It's a 328. Okay. Uh, it was only offered in a 328 configuration, which is a shame, at least in the US. And in Europe, they had the 330 and the 335, mm-hmm. um, and in a bunch of diesel variants as well. But um, so we didn't get any of the fast models here. Uh, it actually would have been cool to have a 330i version, because that's what I had before. It was an E90. And that turned out to be one of my favorite cars, and I didn't really realize that until like I sold it and I just regret it because uh after buying the Cayman uh I you know we live in kind of a or I live in kind of a a very inner city area where the roads are a little bit rough uh and you know I thought that dailying the Cayman would be a little bit easier um than it actually is um and that E90 would have been just kind of a perfect like just daily to keep around um, and your commute is like what 1.1 1.2 miles almost each two way miles. thank you each way uh, yeah well I go to meetings during the day Kevin I do things I go to the grocery store I go to the liquor store have you ever been to a grocery store no maybe what does bread cost 20 30 dollars <laughs> um, anyways yeah I do miss having a BMW though I would really love uh, to have another one, and I, I mean, you know, ideally, it'd be great to get, like, an E46 M3, um, but, uh, I don't know if I want to daily that, necessarily, yeah, it's kind of the same the issue. same thing as your Cayman. Same issue, and plus, I want something that can haul things around in, uh, and fit people in, mm-hmm. so, uh, I keep going back to cars that are very impractical as, like, the daily driver that I personally need, um, and like so, yeah. I I will look at things like uh, the E46 M3, or I'll look at like uh, a 330i ZHP E46. Kevin's rolling his eyes. Um, I'm actually resting them. Yes. Uh, but again, like those aren't like I need a car that can haul things. Cause I deal in um, 
furniture with interior design, and so uh, I just I need something a little bit more practical. Um, that wagon would have been perfect. Should we uh, should we look at some periodicals? Are you saying that this is enough BMW talk? I think I think we covered it. Okay. I think there was a previous one where we talked about your. E ninety, yeah, should extensively. Then I'll start with um, my periodical that I've chosen be, to discuss. I don't, I don't know what, what do you it think is. It's, it's going to be Saab or BMW. Oh, it's BMW. It's ooh. I have presented for you. Oh my goodness! Yeah, is this new? Now who doesn't want to talk did about BMW? Did you buy this? Did you acquire this recently, or did I you have this? I acquired this uh, a few months ago, actually. Wow. So what I'm holding up here, which you. Uh, can't see, but uh, well, let's can't let's hear. let's go into so sort of in the theme of new for ninety six yeah. of of new car periodicals from the nineties. We thought, and even though this is an audio medium, we kind of wanted like because we like to get together and uh, have a beverage and look at these old car magazines and brochures and stuff. And it's not just like I, there's just something about the photography and and the and we are nerds for the typefaces they use and, and the way they lay out. And so it's just as much about the trends of printing in the nineties as it is about the car. And, yeah. and you, you may think, you know, everything about this car and then you see it like as it was marketed brand oh, new yeah. 25 years ago and it kind of changes your perspective. So you we see might all like uh, little options and yeah. So we might, you know, throw some pictures from these things on our Instagram. We should definitely do that. So that there's some, yeah. there's some context. Uh, <coughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so Kevin, what am I holding up? This is a brochure from the new for 94 BMW 318Ti. I don't actually know the year. I'm just guessing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know but I, I believe that this, I'm, the brochure is maybe saying that it was this was a launch year, but yeah. the way that BMW uses adjectives nowadays, is new does not of, mean that. Uh, is it because of this here yet? The most radical Well, I would just say because it says the new BMW 318Ti. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, I just wow. dropped it. It's total. Uh, but yes, the new. Uh, so what we have here is the E36 uh, hatchback that was offered in the mid to mid-late 90s. Uh, and it was kind of like a very Euro-specific model to bring over. Like, who would Definitely. Yeah, because I don't think any of the competitors had anything like this at the time over here. So Mercedes certainly didn't until the um, C230 Compressor. Uh, and I remember these coming out and not quite being sure how I felt about them. Um, I mean, they were kind of neat in that it was a 3 Series, so it looked Ooh, good from the that front. that photo was excellent. Yeah, so... No, the next page. Oh. <laughs> this this green. one? Uh, no, the next one. Okay. That's cool, too. All right. That. Oh, yeah. This... I guess it, it's not Photoshop because Photoshop was no, just was, nearly not. It was pretty there. heavily composited. It probably was. I mean, what we're looking at is a motion blur. It's looking in. It's like a rig shot attached to the left, the yeah. driver's side of this car, and it's moving, but is also like a perfectly lit interior. Yeah. I mean, not perfectly lit. It's not like, like everything's lit. It's just like there's a there's a warm. It stroke. looks like a studio shot, except that there's motion blur. Right. Uh, and. You know, they want you to think that it's moving because the tack and the speedometer like are registering numbers. Um, and yeah, it looks great here. I hated the interior of these, by the way. Like they were different from the regular. Um, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, E36s. I don't know um, if I've ever sat in one. I don't think I've ever sat in one either. 
And I remember my cousin, I had a cousin who uh, was uh, a bit older than me at that time looking at one of these or a Miata. Um, and what did he end up buying? I don't even remember now, but uh, he didn't end up going with one of these. Uh, and it probably for the better, to be quite honest, because I think, I don't think this would be an enjoyable car to own. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just such a different driving dynamic, I would assume, from uh, the sedan and coupe. Mm -hmm. um, and this really, I guess this was just kind of like the, like, this was BMW's, like, um, CLA, basically. Yeah. Yeah, this is a way to get into the brand, uh, but it is amazing. To look at these old brochures. I mean, like, look at the color, like saturation here. Like, that does not look correct. Like, <laughs> everything about this is. Uh, and and the rear of the car is front and center on the cover. The yeah. cover is only the back of the car. It's like just the hatch, but it's like just the three hatch. Like, rear three the, quarters. If I were art directing this, that would yeah. probably be the part I would want to hide. Yeah, yeah. And the back is the part that you want to show. Yes. Uh, which is the front of the car. Uh, it is kind of a bummer because my favorite feature on the E36 is kind of how that rear... Yeah. Like the... the, the it's not a spoiler, little, but like the cutout. Angle. Like it, yeah, the yeah. angle. And you lose that on the TI. Okay, it's, it's reduced by half. I have yeah. a personal connect... Not really a personal connection, but when I was in high school, all of my friends and my friends of friends, mm -hmm. and all we were all car nerds, and we had... Most of my friends had Hondas. Yeah. All of us had front-wheel drive cars. Yeah. But this was like when, like, we knew about drifting. We knew what <laughs> drifting was. And so a friend oh, of a friend, like, we, we, knew, we knew a girl who went to the wealthy private school and yes. had a 318 Ti. Ooh, it was green, I believe. Girl. Anyway, friend of a friend crashed her 318 Ti attempting to drift. Really? Yeah. That is a unfortunate incident or uh, thing to have happened. Uh, I don't think I knew anyone who had one of these um, or had even heard of anyone having one of these. I had, there are a few kids at my school who had like, they'd inherited their parents' E36s at mm. that point. I had a friend who had a 318i. I actually really liked his car, uh, even if it did have the smaller engine. Uh, but it just seems so perfect and taut and like, it was just such a solid looking car. Uh, this in comparison to my Saab 900, which I had at the time, it was in the same era of car that, uh, this other kid had too, but mine was considerably, uh, of less quality. <laughs> uh, and that's saying something because E36s, while, um, are tight and solid cars. See, I love. I like the text. I like the giant text overlay. Right I love. Yeah. I love the typography. Just like the big block of Helvetica bold. Yeah, uh, this is like so classically BMW though. Like, and I feel like I don't know if they really carry it out into their current print material, which I, I don't, don't have anything. I don't either. Their they probably line. have like some like crappy font that they like yeah. drew themselves. That off. If you'll notice, like I'm just noticing this. There are no interior shots. Of I was wondering. I wanted to see. Brochure That's because, as close as it gets. Uh, apparently, they do not want you to see what this car looks like in the interior. Uh, but the biggest difference you can see is just kind of like the center stack right here, which is almost like E thirty esque. Um, it's just how basic. Well, this it is. had like the E thirty rear suspension yeah. subframe. Actually, I think this is from this like 
this center area Whoa. where the radio is is from like the E30. I wonder if it looks cool now if it's like throwback. Like you know, no. maybe it's one of those things where it was bad at the time and now it's like it's so no. basic and simple. Spartan. It looks quite not good, uh, in my opinion. I think it's because it exists in this era of like it's just not like it's modern enough uh, to warrant like a higher quality interior, but not old enough to get away with a bad quality interior. Yeah. And I think uh, it just does not work. But, you know, to each their own. I've seen some, like, cool, like, M3 look conversions or even probably some people have uh, explored actual M3 conversions on those, uh, which would probably be slightly unbalanced. I actually don't know if these are, like, 50-50. Um, yeah, I don't know. Which would be... Interesting, uh, an, in an interesting engineering exercise to somehow add weight to the back of that, which it basically has no back. So there is that. Oh, I was gonna, this was gonna be my other one, but uh, we'll leave this one for another day. Because Kevin, yes, you have one as well. What I have, have um, I don't think a magazine works as well for this as a uh, brochure, but I have, I used to be obsessed with Ferrari, and mm. I would buy this. It seemed expensive at the time. It yes. was six ninety five. Yes. It was a uh, like a semi official Ferrari publication that they sold at Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Uh, it was produced whatever four times a year is Ooh. quad uh, annually. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, it was just very neat. It was very high quality uh, printing and everything. Uh, decent design, mm -hmm. and they would just have. Cool stories, and this issue is from uh, fall winter nineteen ninety nine. Wow! It has a Schumacher Ferrari Formula One car on the cover, driving around Fiorno. Yep. It has still Marlboro sponsorship, um, and a big article about the three sixty Modena, mm. which I will always say three sixty Modena. Modena, because I'm terrible. Yep. Uh, and it was such a big deal about this car being the first aluminum space frame. Yeah. And they went into the history and working with Alcoa and all yeah. this, all this stuff in here, and they show it. And it really was. I mean, I remember being revolutionary, a big deal at the time. And, it, and the way that Ferraris were made before this yeah. was, it really was like a tube frame with skin over it. Yeah. Like an F three fifty five, I think five fifty no. Marinello. Look how futuristic that must have like looked then compared to like Ferraris of. Uh, that came before it. Um, it was just like so round and sleek. I, love, I you know, it's, I don't think it's everyone's favorite Ferrari. It's not my favorite Ferrari, certainly, but uh, I've always thought it looked really good. Yeah, I did too. When I was the biggest, and I was, uh, I guess when I came into really obsessively following cars, I kind of picked up where I left off where I was eight years old, yeah. and I was really into Ferrari. And I was, and this was at the time this car debuted. Yeah. And I, I loved the 355. When this came out, I was, it did look like the future. I loved the design. And then I remember when they showed the convertible. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, I think it's one of those cars where the convertible looks so stunning. Yeah. Uh, I love a mid-engine convertible. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, we've, we've talked about this. Yeah. There's something about, like, a front-engine convertible. It's like the windshield is kind of at, like... It's it, too far. Optically, it's like halfway in the middle of the car, yeah. and then so when you have a mid-engine convertible, and the windscreen is is so far forward, yeah. and it makes it look even more extreme. Like it's this weird short, tiny front, and yeah. like really big rear, and a convertible like it like just dials that proportion up. Yeah. And I thought the 360 Spider looked so stunning. 
Um, yeah, and that's the thing. I'm not even. I'm not much of a convertible person myself, but like, I think that looks really good. Yeah. So there's a couple. There's the, there's that article. There's an article about driving uh, the 550 Marinello to Brazil Ooh. to just the to the south uh, to like the the Cape of uh, whatever it is, the very bottom. Yeah. In Argentina. Uh, I'm not the South Pole. It's not the South Pole. Are you sure? Although they did get on a ferry. They took it on a ferry and they got within, like, sight of Antarctica. I have this globe here from 1957, and it says that you are incorrect. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're in Chile. I'm going to Argentina. Um, and These then ads the last thing... are terrible, by the way. The what? The ads. Uh, they're, all, they're all watches. Yeah. You would think that I would like that. I would think you would like that. And I do. Uh, there's an article about this rally... In Colorado, mm -hmm. where Ferrari owners got together with their exclusively unreliable cars mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and drove them through Colorado, and there's a there's a photo of a yellow F50. Yeah, that looks amazing. Yeah, it is, and this car has a Texas plate F-50. Oh. This man uh, went to jail later for embezzling. Oh. And, Was he part of Enron? Uh, it's possible. I think he had his own, you know. Surely private equity of some sort, yep. and he, yep. uh, it was embezzling through that, but he basically bought the car and like ran a Ferrari challenge car through it. I won't say the name because that might be liable or something, but yep. I think this is all established fact. But anyway, Maybe. this car was in Houston, and I did see it <gasps> on Richmond Avenue. Yeah, I've seen pictures on like forums, I think. Yeah, I remember seeing car this spotting. yellow F50 on Richmond. It was, it was also... It used to be on the Ferrari website. There was a really? news article about... It was about the first... The first F50 that came to the United States in wow. like 1997 was yeah. this car. And they had a big event at uh, Texas World Speedway yeah. College Station. Say what you will about Texas, but like we do get some really cool cars down here. Yeah. And I, I did see that yellow F50 another time at, yeah. when I went to the dealer with my dad before I could drive. Yeah. And it was there getting a battery change. And that was the first time I ever saw an F50. Yeah. And it was pretty cool. I actually have a printout from from the Ferrari website yeah, from look 1997. At that. Kevin, was that printed on an inkjet? Yeah, you say that like inkjets are like a dying thing. A, like people still have inkjets. An HP deskjet? Uh, how did you know? Yeah. Uh, that is amazing. Also, like that map uh, is like one pixel by one pixel. I know. I don't even know what it's planet that is. crazy. Yeah, um, this is from, this is a 21-year-old piece of paper. Oh my god. That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, that's my periodical. Yeah, um, it's neat. I actually want to go through and like. Yeah, some of I this. used to have so many old car magazines, primarily car and drivers. Actually, um, I had like a massive stack of them, and I think I went off to college, and my parents threw them away. Uh, but I wish I had them because I had like, I set aside like all of my favorite issues, include and many of them included. Um, the new four issues. Okay, I have to interrupt you. We've been like talking about how crappy these ads are. This is like one of the most spectacular ads I have ever seen. It is. <laughs> it's a, a two-page spread. I, I mean, I don't know if this is real. It's. I don't think it is. It uh, looks like it's in some kind of arch cave thing, and there is this sleek-looking helicopter flying. It's a Bell helicopter ad. It's a Bell 430. Yeah. Uh, I don't actually know anything about helicopters, but I can see the label right here. Uh, that is ambitious. I guess the demographic's right. Uh, 
Like the same person who is in the market for a brand new Ferrari might be interested in uh, helicopter ownership. Maybe even dirigibles. Have you ever wondered <laughs> who buys blimps nowadays? <laughs> Have you ever seen the, um, the uh, James Bond movie with Christopher Walken? Oh a my view God, to probably. a kill. A view to a kill, and he has a blimp. Does he really? Yeah, Christopher oh Walken, his God. name is Max Zorin. I love that. And he's the bad guy. He's the Bond villain, and he has a I blimp that says Zorin. wish people were more interested in blimps. That's, well, I don't know anything about that. I actually people know you're a villain. Yeah. You know, I actually met a guy the other day who uh, brokers airplanes, uh, and I asked him about blimps, and... He didn't really have a lot of answers for me, which is really disappointing. Because mm. I feel like there would be some... That means he's clean. Yeah. He's not a supervillain. That's true. Did you notice on, on Jalopnik, whenever there, there's this story that I really have not read a lot about, but Goodyear did some shady things with uh, tires on... Some RV tires that were faulty and caused some deaths. And every time they report on this, because they have a lot of follow-ups, they did a lot of like very hard-hitting reporting on yeah. this. And every time they showed... Uh, every time they do the story, like the lead image is just a picture of the Goodyear blimp. <laughs> <laughs> that's showing the last once again, knowing dirigibles blimp. are evil. Yeah, the that's the last known blimp in existence. Um, I actually okay. Uh, where do you buy a blimp? This the by the way, this airplane broker could not tell me. I asked him where the nearest blimp dealership is, and he had no idea. Uh, and I would love to think that there's a lot somewhere out in the country where they're just like a bunch of floating blimps. Uh, Have you ever seen the weird military blimp in Marfa? Maybe. It's very they strange. They look like weather... Are they yeah. like weather blimps? I mean, I think it's just one, but they have this blimp station with all these creepy lights around it. I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere and you approach like this array of lighting and then there's this weird blimp thing. And no. it's like for recording, you know, calls or something. Oh my god. That's weird. It uh, is. There are a lot of weird things out in Marfa though. Yeah. As I think might be well known. Uh, but what if like, that would be, by the way, I'm now completely on the idea of getting a dirigible even though I have no idea what they cost. They probably cost at least $10,000. Mm. Um, and imagine skipping over traffic by using a blimp, your own personal private blimp. That would be amazing. I don't know how you land. Could you park it in a spot? I think you could because the balloon... The cockpit part. The cockpit is part. Is the size of a car. Size of a car. Yeah. And then your balloon half, which I actually don't know what it's called... Uh, rises is basically like a canopy for the other cars. They would thank you mm -hmm. for shading but their in, cars. But you wouldn't be able to park next to lifted trucks. You would not be able to do that or go through drive-thrus comfortably. Mm. But you yeah. already can't with your right-hand drive car. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's really difficult. In fact, I've considered getting uh, one of those grabby arms <laughs> for uh, uh, drive-thrus and ATMs and parking kiosks uh the only thing is i would then have to compile like a montage of me like dropping hot coffees and poking at uselessly at like <laughs> buttons a dash cam but it's pointed the other way <laughs> yeah uh 
I will say that uh, driving a right-hand drive car in the United States is not as difficult as most people think it is, uh, except for like small convenience things like that. I do not regularly go to through drive-throughs, so it's not a huge uh, issue. But um, otherwise, it's not that big of a deal. Um, anyways, okay, so you have your Rosso Ferrari magazine, which I tried to do. Excuse me, a Italian accent there. Um, and uh, that's a neat little piece of Kevin's history here. <laughs> My history, right down to the yeah. printout. I, I was had like, like three a, more of these, though, I was and like, I kept them. I was way weirder. Like you, this is like normal, like fifteen-year-old, like car interest things. Like when you're fifteen years old. I was like really into uh, the tour show mm -hmm. at the time. In fact, that was one of my like dream cars. Oh, and that's have. the inspiration for our, our mixer. Yeah. Oh yeah, we have a Yamaha uh, mixing board, um, and we we should say powered by show. Our show <laughs> is powered by Yamaha. So, uh, but we won't go there, and I won't say that. So from our show to yours, <laughs> this is oh uh, no, we're ha somehow we have negative listeners. <laughs> um, but uh, you know my other like dream car at the time. I mean I Previa. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I really I, at the time, our friend uh, Lance Tedford uh, would love the fact that. When I was a kid, I think it wasn't a dream car, but I loved the Previa uh, SC All Track. Mm. Hey, same car as you. Mm -hmm. um, and the Element SC. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was I saw an Element SC the other day, and I wanted to like just joke about it not being supercharged. Like, yeah. why would they call it an SC when it's not supercharged? Blah blah blah. And then and then I was like, SC. oh, I'm driving a car. <laughs> this is not supercharged. Yeah. supercharged. <laughs> no one knows that it means super Carrera. What does that even mean, super Carrera? Um, well, exactly. super just always means better in like German Porsche speak. Does it? Yes. Because what about like if something is like super terrible? They, super crummy. Yeah. That's what it stands for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. So, oh, but back on the topic of just like weird cars that I, when I was a kid, that's how they get when you eat a lot of food in them. Super crummy on the, oh no, no. But, uh, on the normal, we're not still things, recording, are we? No, no, no. We, I stopped like an hour ago. Thank uh, God. the, I, one of my dream cars, too, was a Volvo 850 T5R. Not just the R, but the T5R, Ooh. which came before the R. Uh, and I have no idea why. I mean, it probably was because my mom drove a Volvo and my dad drove a Taurus. And so, uh, naturally, I went to the best iterations of each of those yeah, uh, makes sense. cars. Um, but... Uh, when I was a kid, on the more exotic end, um, even though this would be, I think they're coming into favor again. Now, back in the day, would you say that the 456 GT was a car in favor when it came out? It was kind of a heavy touring uh, automobile coming back to the, or a different 
kind of Ferrari. I remember it having uh, a mixed. Yeah. I think there just wasn't a lot of excitement. Yeah. It it looked. Uh, I think it looks very stately and elegant now. It looked kind of generic. I think I remember criticism when it debuted, or or I remember I used to go to half price books yeah. and and look at old magazines, and I remember being there and reading like four year old criticism yeah. of the four fifty six when it debuted at Geneva. Like, well, it kind of looks like it's like a Celica or something, you know? Well, yeah, like it just it's looked, like it's sports coupe shape. Yeah, yeah, and the front and the fascia. There was nothing. Not even nothing wild. Like the four twelve, so but elegant. the but the four twelve was like wild in its straightness and linearness. Yeah, yeah. So like the four twelve, like not everything has to be a Testarossa, but the four twelve right. was just as extreme in its sim- like simplicity and like and just and this angles. Is probably an oxymoron. It is an oxymoron, but it was just like Italian. Uh, it, it was just, like, discreet Italian elegance. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and that's what I really loved about it. It was just very rounded and refined. The interesting thing about the 456 is it was, uh, I, I can remember, I mean, because back then, we yeah. talked about how in 1996 there was six new cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those days, you know, Ferrari, I mean, it was, they would have, like, one new car or variation mm-hmm. every year mm-hmm. pretty much and that was yeah. and that seemed like a very prolific rate to produce things and i remember basically the first year that i was really into it so it was like a year after the a year or two after the 550 marinella which yeah. was a big deal which was like a big shock sure um you know the first front engine v12 ferrari in 20 years at the time yeah but the first one that where i was like actively following Ferrari was the 456M. 456M was the first new yeah, car. And yeah. I remember it was like, oh, it's cool they've improved it. And it's all it's one of those things. I think that's something that we I that's the most interesting concept with cars now that I see is like when you just are like, oh, they've come out with something new. Is it better? Yeah. Because I think there was a time when it, it was just always was better. Yeah. You know, and, and you accepted it. And you never really thought, like, oh, is this better? You just we, accepted it was better because, it's like, look at these improvements they made. It's like a laptop. It's Yes, it's better. We live in this, like, weird time where we're just, like, so technologically advanced that they could introduce the better thing, like, immediately. But they kind of trickle it down or, like, mildly improve something in a very parallel sense. Uh, and... I'll give you one example that you will absolutely hate, and that would be the pre-LCI and LCI models. And Daniel and I had this conversation, Daniel Sloan and I had this conversation when we were all in the car driving up to Pikes Peak. This uh, is about the LED taillights. It's about the LED no, taillights. No. Yeah. This is not getting at what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. This oh, is not at all what I'm talking about. <laughs> It's exactly that. This is, no. Yeah. I'm not talking about... Uh, What's that term they use for... Dumb? Uh, yeah. Stupid? Uh, I'm not talking about planned obsolescence. I'm just talking about when they make a new improved something and it's worse. Not through some cynical effort, but just by like, oh, well, we some... didn't actually know how to... We didn't actually know how to make a sedan better than the E39. So here's one that we made. Yeah. So LCIs are sometimes not the better option to have. Really? Yeah. Duh. Okay. okay. Um, anyways. But yeah, in the case of the 456 LCI, the M yes. generally agreed to be not as good. No. 
No one likes it as much now. But no. at the time, it was like, oh, this is good. Look, it, look how beige it is. Yeah, yeah. It was very weird. The 456 GT was always shown in the blue. It looks fantastic oh. in the blue. It looks fantastic in the gray. Yeah. I think I had a very bad 124 scale model, one in gray. Really? And I, Gray would be like a rare color to see that in. I know, I know. And then, uh, yeah, and then they showed the 456M, and it was like this champagne... Beige metallic. Yeah, that was pictures. It that's was when it kind of went into like, yeah, weird uh, touring car, like super touring car yeah. territory, and less sports car, I suppose. Uh, but it's a beautiful car now that like had its price dip, and now they're like way back up. Like, what are they just up to? As high. Uh, I don't know specifically, but I remember seeing a few bad auctions where. Uh, they, the result was surprising because I think last in my mind, I thought they were, uh, at the bottom rung, like $45,000, $50,000 cars. Yeah. And I don't think that is a reality anymore for mm -hmm. any of the models. I could be wrong, but, uh, it seems to be that interest is back. There was a 360 Modena Coupe yes. that sold for 50 Wow. Today. What? On his bat? Yeah. It was... Yellow F1 shift with the mm. plain wheels. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There was, um, there's one still listed. It's also yellow, a yeah. coupe with the challenge Stradale wheels. Yeah. That and looks good. Six speed gated shifter. Whoa. It looks amazing. Much it higher. looks amazing. Much it's higher. still, it's still listed. Okay. And there's like the challenge rear grille yeah. and those wheels, which, I mean, I like the stock wheels yeah. on the 360, but these wheels look amazing. Ah, oh, those wheels look so yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, unfortunate. I, I remember, I, I loved the Challenge Stradale, obviously, when it came out. Yeah. And I remember the, when they showed the pictures, and this was like yeah. pre even like Autoblog, but I somehow came across all the pictures of like the blue press photos yeah. of the Challenge Stradale. And so I was in summer school yeah. in the Woodlands. Yep. And my best friend texts me. On my Nokia. Whoa. And he's like, and it's like two Middle years. school? No, 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 college. Sorry. I was going to say. I was in summer school. I said, I said summer school. Oh, fine. Uh, summer school, college, yes. taking a course, living out of my parents' house. Yeah. Um, and my friend texts me and says, there is a challenge Stradale. It's blue. And it's at like this pizza place. Oh my God. You know, this shopping center. Yeah. He tells me it's by, you know, such and such. Yeah. And I was like. I was this close to just leaving the class, like just oh to go see it, because I was God. like, when am I ever gonna get a chance to see one of these again? And thankfully, I've seen many of them, but um, including that one, it had New Mexico plates, and I think it kicked around at like the dealer or something after that, or I what? saw it in like the Plano dealer or something. That's pretty astonishing. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know that I had such an experience. Uh, when I was a kid, just like seeing just anything stand out. Uh, I saw once an XJ220, uh, and it was, I think, in the Revokes area. This was, I've seen I'm two I'm just talking Houston. about relevant car sightings. Oh You've my seen two XJ220s in Houston? I have. Really? I saw one when I was a kid, when I was a kid and then really? I saw- Okay, I tell saw, me about the one when you were a kid. I know about the one more recently. Yeah, where I sat in a, in some random restaurant yeah. parking lot where the guy was like, come see it in my car. And he yeah. actually said it just like that. He did? Randomly, yeah. I was taking a picture of it and he was like, yeah, you want to sit in the car? And I, he had an accent? He had an accent. Okay. 
I don't know what accent it was, but whatever accent that is, that's what he had, and he was really nice. That's, and actually, that's, you... That's the Balky from Perfect Strangers Yeah, accent. it's perfect. Oh, and okay. you saw the same car. I saw it in Monterey. You saw it in Monterey. It was parked... Well, it was it was at Pebble Beach, parked yeah. at the hotel parking lot. Yeah, and he, like, uses the car. Like, it, yeah. is, it has wear and tear on it. Like, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and just the fact that he would, like, shove a stranger, which actually sounds exactly as creepy as it sounds uh but he basically like just said like hey sit in the car and i didn't ask he was just he just offered and of course i'm gonna sit in it uh so but the other time i wish i had sat in an xj220 oh my god you did yeah i did at the peterson yeah oh my god it was owned by see mine wasn't owned by balky from perfect strangers it was owned by a former formula one driver heinz harold frenzen well la dee la uh, yeah, the first one I ever saw, it was either in River Oaks or Memorial or something like that when I was a kid, so wow. middle school, wow. and it was green. Ooh. I think it was green. It was yeah. that, that nice green. They were all super metallic, yeah. subdued colors. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was always kind of the most elegant color. I don't think that Oh, I did too. I, I had a folder from Target with a picture of all of the, uh, or I had a, a picture of a purple one on a folder. That I got at Target, and I thought it was the most beautiful car in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, I completely agree. And on that note, uh, we're rounding up here on an hour eight, so mm-hmm. uh, time to end this podcast. And I'm running out of whiskey anyways, so... You have to shoot the rest of that before we end. Yes, yes. Gulp. Yeah. There Down the hatch. I go. <laughs> Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, Be sure to like and subscribe. <laughs> well, now they're sure not to. Yeah. Um, you okay. say they. He and or she. Yes. Uh, until next time. Thank you very much for listening.